For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of worth. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Saturday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating tonight? There's so much to celebrate if we take the time to do so. It's all about positivity, and I do believe in it, and so does my guest tonight. Well, we're celebrating all this month and throughout the year. This is the 100th birthday of Judy Garland. So all this month, I am celebrating Judy Garland and the various things that she did and how she touched our lives. And of course, The Wizard of Oz touched our lives on so many levels. And tonight, we're really going to delve into that. Uh, but before we begin, I'd like to celebrate Judy Garland, her life, her legacy, her career. And then I'll tell you a little bit about our guest and how this movie resonates so much with me on the other side. First of all, let's celebrate Judy Garland. Here she is. Dear, when you smiled at me, I heard a melody. It haunted me from the start. Something inside of me started a symphony. Sing with the strings of my heart Was like a breath of spring I heard a robin sing About a nest set apart All nature seemed to be In perfect harmony Sing with the strings of my heart your eyes made sky seem blue again What else could I do again But keep repeating Through and through I love you, love I still recall the thrill I guess I always will I hope we'll never depart But dear, with your lips to mine Rhapsody divine Sing when the strings Of my I seem blue again What else could I do again But keep repeating Through and through I love you Love you I still recall a thrill I guess I always will I hope to will never depart Here with your lips to mine Oh, perhaps a take you all back to 1965. And I was living in Conway, South Carolina. And it was a Sunday night. And my grandparents uh, on my dad's side of the family had just gotten their first color television set, which was a big deal. And The Wizard of Oz was going to be shown at six o'clock 
uh, on uh, NBC, CBS. So we all gathered together and I sat down and I saw The Wizard of Oz for the first time and it changed my life. And as I sat there and I fell in love with all these characters and this incredible world that I was now transported into in Technicolor, my whole life was transformed. And at the end of this movie, I cried because I missed those characters. And then I found out a year later that I would see them again. And then the year after that, and as I got older, it was something that I looked forward to year after year after year. And as most kids and all my friends in South Carolina, some of them may even be watching tonight. And as the years went on, as most kids look forward to Christmas and Halloween and Easter and all of those holidays, I was looking forward to the annual showings of The Wizard of Oz. In the TV guide at that time, in the back section, there was a yellow page. And that yellow page would always list the upcoming shows. And what I would see when The Wizard of Oz was coming on, I was ecstatic. If an aunt or an uncle or a cousin or a friend would find out that The Wizard of Oz was going to be coming on, they would alert me and it would let me know so that that date was be on our calendar so that our families would come together. You'll see on the screen a couple of things. First of all, the word stability. I picked this word because no matter what was going on in the world, and no matter what was going on with the ups and downs of family life, and there were troubles there as well, once a year, our family came together as a family. Uh, mom, dad, my brothers, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles, cousins, my grandparents. And we all sat down as a family unit and we watched the film. And I have our dear friend Max Ryan here. I don't know how old he is, but I know that I'm a lot older than he is. So I know that when I was growing up, Max, uh, watching The Wizard of Oz was a yearly occurrence. It wasn't something that I could pop a VHS or a DVD in. Uh, you lived for that annual showing of The Wizard of Oz. First of all, welcome to the show. Um, I was thrilled when you said yes. I want to talk a little bit about your own journey down your own proverbial yellow brick road uh, that led you not only to the life's work that you're doing now, but how this film resonated with you. So welcome to the show, first of all. And as I do with all of my shows, who or what are you celebrating tonight? Um, you know, I am, I'm celebrating opportunity today. I, I'm always so amazed and blessed and still so grateful and appreciative of opportunities that come into my life, like this show that came just in just, I believe in magic and I believe that there that things happen for reasons that are so beyond what we can plan. Like I could never have thought I'm gonna be on the Richard Skipper show. <laughs> I had no idea that that was gonna happen. And so opportunities, I'm so incredibly, um, so I celebrate opportunities in other people and in my life. So that's the first thing for sure, for sure. And I do wanna say, I'm very impressed that you were said NBC, no CBS. <laughs> yes. I love that. I because love it that. flipped back and forth a couple of times. Do you yeah, remember that? Do you remember the first time that you saw The Wizard of Oz? And do you yeah. remember what that experience was like for you? It was. It was it was at home. Um I'm not that much younger than you. Not that much younger than you. And um I um remember seeing it on television. And I didn't really know, I knew it was a big deal. Cause remember there was only a few stations then. And it was like, everyone was like, there was three stations, there was three stations. And everyone was like, it was kind of like when you see Rudolph every year, mm -hmm. it was like Rudolph and the Frosty the Snowman or whatever. And I remember thinking, this must be a big deal. And I remember watching it thinking it was so beautiful. Like it was like, oh, but do you remember I, you know, again? I, I don't know your age, but uh, they used to show it at six o'clock on Sunday evenings. So I don't remember the time. Yeah, I, so because so the kids would go to bed earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, it, like, it was a different world. I this mm -hmm. afternoon I was listening to uh, 
Gladys Knight's version of the way we were. And oh. I don't know if you've ever heard it. If you haven't, oh. everyone, uh, after the show tonight, Google it. Because she talks in the introduction about a simpler time. Yeah. And that's another thing that I think about in The Wizard of Oz, uh, of the family coming together and those simpler times mm -hmm. that we had in our lives. Something that I think, especially with what we've gone through in the last couple of years, and the last week, especially these simpler times that we really need. Yeah, I I I know that 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 is true, and I I I believe very strongly that um, we'll we'll get into what I believe about the Wizard of Oz story, but um, that life actually the truth is very simple. Mm -hmm. It's very simple, and then what I always say to my students and for myself, a guiding principle for me is it's it's either love or it's a call for love. That's it. And there's a lot of calls for love, right? So, but that simplicity is the is like, you know, the world can be insane. There can be a million things going on, like Oz, and everything can be happening, but underneath all that is always, it's either love or it's a call for love. And it seems like at certain times the world is going crazy, but, how we perceive and what we do is the most important thing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And there are two calls for love that I'm going to pull up in, right now. Yeah. And uh, you, you pull a number, one or two? Uh, two. Okay. So uh, that will be you. So there you are. Look at you. There's me. Uh, how old are you at, at this point? I love this picture, by the way. I think I was about um, probably about six years old or something. It is a button. It's literally this button and it sits right here on my desk and I look at it every day. Well, I, I love the fact that you say this because uh, here's mine and I look at this every day. This is mine. Oh, look at <laughs> uh, and I remember the day this photograph was taken, um, there was a department store in my uh, hometown, Jerry Cox. My grandparents, I, I was very close with my uh, paternal grandparents. Uh, my sister, who I hope is watching, um, when my sister uh, was uh, two years old, she was diagnosed with liver and kidney disease. Mm. And my parents were told that she would not live to be three years old. Uh, well, she just turned 60. So, <laughs> so, uh, so miracles do happen. Amen. Uh, and uh, she is, uh, we are very, very close. Uh, but my grandparents, I was living with them because my parents, she was in a hospice situation and my parents, uh, my grandparents wanted to take uh, this photograph so that we could go and surprise my parents with this. But that photograph hung in my grandparents' home until they both passed away. And when they passed away, I said, I want this photograph because it just had such an important resonance with me because again i look at the photograph and it just takes me back to that childhood mm -hmm. and i think that we all need and i advise this to everybody out there take that five-year-old self put it in front of you so that you see it every day and acknowledge and celebrate that five-year-old kid totally yeah that picture um was taken when um when I was very young and my, my father, my sister was in soccer and I was not a sports kid at all. And, um, but my dad was like, I want you to try it at least. I at least want you to try and I'm going to coach and you try. And I, it was not for me. It was not for me. And I'm blessed with an incredible father who, who just said at that, at the end of that, and that was probably when the picture was taken he knew it wasn't for me. And he and I had always been like, I want to go to dancing class. I want to go to acting class. I want to do that. And he was like, you do what you need to do. You tried. That's good. So it's like, that's what that reminds me of. It doesn't matter. You follow your thing and you support yourself and others in doing what's right for you, not what the society says or anything. But it's there's a really great lesson in in kind of like, get out there and try. Get out there and do it. And if it's not for you, then you can say, mm, no. So that's what that reminds me of all the time. So, 
Well, we're going to talk about these positive life lessons that you've learned from The Wizard of Oz. And mm -hmm. I begin my shows with a uh, surprise question. And I haven't looked at it, but I'm going to see if I can make this about The Wizard of Oz tonight. Let's see oh. if we can do that. Sure. And, uh, well, the, qu the question is, what's your guilty pleasure? So what is your guilty pleasure? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, you know what? I don't have guilt. I don't do guilt. I don't do guilt. It doesn't work for me. I've learned a long time ago that guilt is meaningless. So I don't really have guilty pleasures, but I have a lot of pleasures that Good I really love to do. And I think one of my big pleasures is travel. And and every chance that I can get, I, I love new new places and new people and all that stuff. But, you know, very rarely now guilt ever comes up for me. So I'm not guilty. So Max... You said earlier that when you were a kid, you were not interested in sports. Neither was I. No. Uh, and you and I have a similar story in that both we were both drawn to the theater, the arts and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, you wanted to go into show business. What was it about show business that first pulled you in that direction that you really wanted to go in that direction? Um. There was something about it that I felt connected with, no matter what. There was something deep. But I know I remember the exact moment. I was, um, when I was young, I was, um, my sister and I were babysat by my, my um, cousin. And she was in college. And she didn't know what to do with us. We were kids. And she was like, oh, well, there's a play playing at the college. So she took us to the play. I had never seen a play. And it was freaking Hamlet. <laughs> and the lights went down and all of a sudden whatever was happening out there i was like oh this is the thing and i remember very clearly because i remember the guy holding the skull and at intermission my sister was like my sister sports 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 mm -hmm. my sister and her were like huh? and i'm like no we can't go i'm staying and they left and i stayed for the whole second half and how old were you at this time probably about eight or nine years old, okay. probably about eight. And I, and I left there completely different. I was like, whatever they're doing is change. And I conceptualized that whatever was happening on the stage was changing people's lives. And I was like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. And where did you grow up? California, Los Angeles. So you um, grew up very close to, uh, yeah. The world of uh, show business. Yes, and I would go see TV shows all the time. My my grandmother, who has passed away, she used to take me to. We'd see tapings of shows all the time. I'd go to shows all the time, and I started acting when I was really young, and I did some commercials and all that stuff. But the movie and TV thing was very different than the theater thing because I was in theater community theater and doing a lot of things, and I loved it. And but then when I started doing um, TV and film is harsh it's like a business and it was kind of harsh and i was like oh i don't really like that so i just did theater over and i went to lacc i got a um a degree from lacc i don't know if you know but it's a really oh, yes uh, absolutely a great school and um and so but i worked as an actor for a very long time a very long time and i made my living as an actor doing shows and doing touring things and doing educational theater and all that stuff. And then I came to New, I always wanted to live in New York. So I came to New York and, and um, kept pursuing it. But then i ended up, I got another educational theater thing and I realized I was a really, I really loved teaching. I loved being around people and kids and it was really, and it was very natural for me to teach. And I was like, huh, hmm, maybe. And so I never really quit acting. But then all the teaching and coaching and all the spiritual stuff I started doing started to pick up. And I was like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> but when you started teaching, were you teaching theater? Were you teaching drama? Or I wasn't teaching. It was a, There was a program at NYU called the Creative Arts Team. And so they use um, social issues and they put them in a theatrical context. So we would go, we were called actor teachers. And there was a story. I worked with I worked with all ages, but a lot with early childhood little kids. So it was really fun. So 
it would be about inclusion or exclusion or something. And we would all be like um, bears from the family and everything. And the kids would all have to like teach us what to do. And it was fun and great. And you'd sit on the floor with the kids and we'd all be the elves or the bears or whatever. And they just loved me. I love, but then I started training their teachers how to teach them and, and adults and everything. I was like, I really like, so I didn't teach theater. Although I've directed quite a few things in my life, but um, but that just ended up morphing into wow! I'd really like to teach people how to have a positive life and be peaceful. Well, let's back up for a moment. Uh, were you always spiritual, or yeah. where did that first come from? Uh, I mean, some people are religious, some people yeah. are spiritual. Mm -hmm. uh, you consider yourself uh, more spiritual, yeah. I'm assuming. Uh, I do too. Because uh, Sarah is here as, as well, uh, my uh, my uh, spiritual goddess. Uh, so uh, you uh, became aware of a course in miracles. Uh, yeah, that came that, later. That came much later. Uh, when I was a kid, I knew things about people. I would go to people's house, and I had been there before in my mind. And I remember I went to my, my um, uh, one of my parents took me to a, to a co-worker's house. And I was like, I was like, I've been here before. I know this place. Da, da, da. I say that to my sister and she goes, you know, you've never been here. And I go, no, you go, da, da. And she's like, and I go, you know, when you see in your mind and you're, and she's like, and I go, oh, you, not everyone does that. <laughs> and then when I was about 10 or 11, this woman down the street, I was coming home from school one day and she, she was like, I knew her. She goes, you come with me. I was like, okay. And she took me in her house. She was a very sweet, great woman. And she had a, a stack of tarot cards. And she goes, you have the gift and I'm going to teach you how to read tarot cards. And I was like, okay. Huh. And it kind of just all fell into place It all. And I was like, oh yeah. And then I started really studying a lot of religions and spirituality and Wiccan philosophy and all this stuff. And then the Course in Miracles came to me when I was probably about 18 or 19 years old. So eventually you put the process of wanting to have an acting career mm -hmm. uh, behind you. And, uh, and it's a very smart, it, it, it's a gift not only to yourself, but to others as well, when you realize this is not the career path that I am supposed to be on. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like uh, some people go both ways. You choose that fork in the road. Uh, yeah. You choose the direction that you want to go in. And you knew that this was the direct path for you to go on. Um, well, it was a lot easier. I was like, well, this is just easy. It's all falling into place. I'm like, okay, well, this is easier. Um, and I never say I'm not an actor anymore because I love acting too. Well, I believe that once you are in this business, you are all, that the business That's is always within you. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, and when you and I first, and this all it happened just recently uh, through a friend of Tesla Bella who's watching here, mm -hmm. uh, our Mary Beth, and you know, and all this uh, happened uh, eventually. Uh, at first, when you first called, I thought it was a crank call. <laughs> I was like, oh God. Oh, oh my God. And because thank God she explained everything. And then um yeah, and it's an interesting uh, you know, uh Danielle who's watching here, she said there are no random acts. Never uh, through this course of us having a conversation, and you told me about the work that you were doing, and I said, Well, then uh maybe you can come on next month and we could talk about this. And I said, all this month I am doing shows devoted to Judy Garland. And you said, well, I, you know, I do a course based on the wizard of Oz. And I said, <laughs> well then come on. And here you are. So how did that begin for you? Well, I do. I have to say this because this is part of what I kind of like teach you when when this all happened, my friend Linda, who's a friend of Mary Beth's, was like, "You should be on Richard Skipper's show." And, and I had seen your show a few times. I'm like, "Um, hello, Leslie Ann Warren's on that show, and all these stars are on that show." And I'm like, I, "Where do I fit into that show?" Well, you're a star too, Max. I am. I am. Yeah. Um, 
but you understand. But I was kind of hesitant, but I had some fear, fear, fear about like, oh God, maybe, uh, uh. but I didn't listen to the fear. I was just like, just call him, whatever, just whatever. And then when you said, we're doing Judy Garland, I was like, the heavens opened up. I was like, that is why I was called. This is why it's called. So you never know how it's all going to plan out, but that's how it plans out, right? So I forgot your question, but I, I, that's a big part of how I roll in my life. And I teach my students to be like, you don't plan it. You don't change it. You don't organize and control it. You see what comes up and then you see your fear and then you go right into it and see what happens. Well, my question was and is right. that you have this course based yes. on yeah. themes from the Wizard of Oz. And as I was prepping for today, I started doing a lot of research. And uh, there are a lot of articles out there from a lot of people. And there are a lot of books as well mm -hmm. uh, from philosophers, from uh, therapists, from uh, so many people mm -hmm. uh, who uh, Salman Rushdie. Yes. Your article yeah. mm -hmm. uh, about how the Wizard of Oz changed and affected their lives. Yeah. Um, how did you start taking these principles from the movie and the books, of course, and transferring them into a course? Well, I don't make a, I don't have a clear course, but I use the examples through my teaching all the time. And what happened was it was very organic. As I was teaching, I started to being like, wow, this is like Dorothy. This is like the Yellow Brick Road. This is like the ego coming into your life. This is like falling asleep and then waking up in this crazy world where you have to find yourself. And then I and then I started, I didn't read a lot of other people's, I don't read a lot of other people's stuff. I'm just like, let me find. And then I was like, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense. How I can use this to help people to understand the whole real hero's journey if you want to say that the joseph campbell he, joseph campbell's hero's journey mm -hmm. this is what it is we're all dorothy we are all dorothy we all are in this place where everything seems fine it's all very clear it's black or white it's good bad we have love whatever and then suddenly the fear comes up and we fall asleep and we mm -hmm. wake up in this this is a very course in miracles you wake up in this illusion that's very colorful. It's like, hey, how about that? Now about that? What do you do? Let's get our hair done. And if you can just meet the wizard and all that stuff. And I started to put it all together. I was like, oh my God, this is one of the greatest stories ever told. Mm -hmm. so as I started to do this and I started teaching people, they were like, oh my God, I now I totally understand the story. I'm like, uh-huh. And it's been very effective, very effective. And I and my students, whom some of them might be here tonight, um, they know, they know what, when, and I always refer to the Ruby slippers all the time. I refer to a lot of, oh, look at that. I've got my own pair here. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm I'll tell you, one of my favorite, one of my favorite spoofs is on Mad TV, which I used to love. Oh. Stephanie Weir, I, you know, I have been trying to track her down for so long. Anyone out there if you, if anyone can find Stephanie Weir, I want her on this show because I think she is one of the funniest women on the planet. And if you've ever seen the sketch and you can Google it, it's on YouTube. Uh, they do this incredible sketch uh, recreating uh, the moment in The Wizard of Oz where Glenda says to her, you've always had the power to go back to Kansas. And Dorothy goes crazy on her and starts beating her up. <laughs> But it's hysterical. It's I have hysterical. to see that. I have yeah. to. Oh, I'll send it to you. It is just so funny. Yeah. And uh, because, but it's true. These things, I think all of us are always seeking something outside of us. Mm -hmm. And it's all within ourselves. I think that we all, uh, you know, uh, I always pick a word like today. Uh, the word of the day is stability. The other day it was self-reliance. And I think that we all think that somebody out there is going to change our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. Or a career or money or fame or whatever. It doesn't. It doesn't. Because usually it's like my favorite um, um, line from poetry of Gertrude Stein is, there is no there 
Now I have to respond to my friend Tesla Bella. She wants to know how I got these shoes. Well, uh, a house <laughs> fell on someone. No. <laughs> No, I had a dear friend, uh, Edward Norton, who has since passed away. Uh, there used to be a, a guy, I don't know if he's still around, in North Carolina, Charles Townsend. And he used to make these uh, ruby slippers. Uh, this is an exact replica of Judy's shoes. They're exa the, the exact size of Judy's uh, shoes. Um, down to the fact that on the inside of the shoe, it even has the labels from the company that made the ruby slippers and they were specifically made for me um, by this guy and they were a gift for me by uh, my friend Ed Norton who has since passed away. So Ed, I know you're watching over. Uh, he loved The Wizard of Oz and he discovered me through the internet long before I was doing this. He would love this. Uh, he would be here you know, doing this. Oh, but, that's uh, that's a prized yes. possession for sure. Yeah. Yes. Do, you, do you have a well, list? Of and I wanted to say, because I forgot to mention this, this is another one of my prized possessions. This is the photograph uh, in, from the, you know, this is not the actual photograph. But today is Clara Blandick's birthday. Oh. Auntie M and the Wizard of Oz. Wow. So uh, happy wow. birthday, uh, Clara Blandick. Oh, I love that. I yeah. love that. That's awesome. A friend of mine, well, actually a student of mine, texted me uh, a few weeks ago. She lives in LA and she's like, Max. And she sent a picture because the um, the real Ruby slippers are in LA at the some exhibit. And she's like, Max, I almost fell over when I saw them. And I was like, yep, 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 for sure. There are so many lessons in, 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 in The Wizard of Oz. I mean, it is the hero's journey. It's that thing that, and you're right, that thing that we're not even, um, I mean, when you start to kind of like wake up, you start to be like, why have I been chasing that thing? Why am I trying to get the wizard? You know, the wizard character itself is a really great character because it represents all of these things that we're trying to get. And... And we're told, go get the wizard. The wizard will help you. The money will do it. You lose the 10 pounds, you will get it. Da, 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 whatever happens to be, it could be a million things. But it's all this, this kind of illusion that you don't already have it. Mm -hmm. Because you do already have it. But I love what from that Mad TV because, because the ego self, if you tell the ego you already have it, it loses its mind. No! Because... It's all about searching. The Course in Miracles says, says the ego's edict is search, but never find. But the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call that, Holy Spirit's edict, God's source loves edict, is you've already found it. But very few of us um, allow ourselves to be like, I already found it. Well, there's, there's this other lesson that I'm thinking of as well. You think that... They are, uh, she's told from the very beginning, you have to get to the Emerald City to get the Wizard of Oz to give you what you want. Yes. They get to the Emerald City. They finally meet the wizard. And he says, well, you need to get this before you get what you want. That's they right. go to the next level. They get, they give the wizard exactly what he asked for. Mm -hmm. And then he turns on them and says, well, I can't give you that. Mm -hmm. uh, and they get very upset with him. Mm -hmm. They essentially turn on him. Yep. Mm -hmm. because they're not getting what they want. Mm -hmm. And then he gives them tokens uh, of, you know, just to say, these are little things uh, to make them feel better. Exactly. Uh, and to satiate them a little yes. more, stay in the illusion, to stay in the insanity. And like you're never going to get it. You know, and they're all, and and I think that, you know, we, we think that if we get that car, if we get this house, if we get these things, that it's all going to make us, you know, uh, feel better. Mm -hmm. And guess what? You wake up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, you feel better for about 10 minutes. And then you go, oh, I'm the same person, but I have a really expensive car. Okay. Because <laughs> it's never happened. And I love what you said about that. I love that part in there when he's like, okay, you found me. Now you have a lot more to do. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what we go through in our lives, you know, because we keep thinking that there's something missing. Mm -hmm. And then the world of illusion will keep telling you something's wrong, something's wrong, 
something's wrong. And so I just love that part. And then, of course, you know what happens with the with the curtain and Toto. Right. I just love that, too, because it's like um, I have a whole theory, but this is what I believe. Toto, Toto is the is spirit that's always with you. It's God's source love. It never leaves your side ever, ever, ever. And you remember at the beginning of the of the movie, they're going to kill the dog Mm -hmm. and killing God, killing love. And Mm -hmm. that inciting incident for her to lose her mind. And so it makes all the sense. But Toto comes back and never, ever leaves her, ever leaves her. So you always have that that thing with you. I don't care if you call it God, love, trust. It's always there with you. And that's the thing. If you really listen to it, it will pull the curtain back from the ego. And you go, oh, you're just an idiot. (laughs) Why did I believe this craziness? You know, a charlatan. And, you know, it's there's it's it's all it's all illusions. I mean, everything that we are, I mean, show business, everything that we, uh, you know, are pursuing and everything. And it's it's that bigger, brighter, shinier Mm -hmm. thing that we want. And, you know, and if you've read the original books, um, each time, you know, they don't all see the Wizard of Oz together. They see him individually. Mm-hmm. And he presents himself in a different guise to each one of them. That's right. Which I think is just an amazing, brilliant. You know, and, and, and it's amazing. The Wizard of Oz has touched so many people yeah. on so many different levels that uh, it was just announced a couple of years ago that there's going to be a remake. And every time it's announced that there's going to be a remake of the movie, people are up in arms. How dare you? This is such a classic film. And I think it's because it's such an iconic part of our childhood. Yeah. But I have a completely, as much as I love the film and it is such, look, I mean, I'm a 61 year old man with his own pair of Ruby slippers. So obviously it matters to me, but uh, the fact is I welcome these new incarnations. I love that. Uh, because it's a different way of looking at it. Um, And, you know, the wit, I mean, um, Wicked is being made. And it's so massive, in fact, that they're going to make two films out of it. I know. I know. I love that. I love Wicked. I loved Wicked. I love Wicked. And I agree with you. I think that it's, for me, and you know, the very beginning, I thought if you remember the beginning, uh, I can't remember exactly, but the beginning of, of um, Wizard of Oz, it says, this story has been around for 60 years or something and has entertained children at the young of heart for this long. So this film is dedicated to the young. So it's been around. So these these topics and these things that are in it are truth. So it doesn't matter when you do them, because if you really represent the truth, every generation will get it, you know? And so I, I love that too. I think I'm like, yeah, sure. Do you it. know, when Warren is pointing out, you know, when you're correct, Warren, it is not really a remake. It, you know, it's just a, a different way of telling it. And there are so many ways to tell this story. Of course. And, uh, you know, just uh, if you hold on to the heart and soul of this story, yeah. uh, it, you know, uh, it's a story that needs to be told uh, for new generations. And this film will never go away. It's been Ever. in the consciousness. You know, it's funny because Lorna Luft, uh, you know, and of course she's told these stories that there's not a day that goes by that she is not, uh, you know, she's in a department store and she turns around and there's her mom, <laughs> she, you know, everywhere. I wanted to show, you know, uh, I, I brought up a couple of photographs because, uh, yeah. and I showed these before the, uh, we started. Um, my dog, uh, Horace, who we lost a couple of years ago, every year when The Wizard of Oz came on, he loved this film. I love it. And he, every year, he would watch, and here he is watching the film. Uh, and everybody knew 
uh, he he would just sit, look at this. He would have his little toys and, his, and watch. And this is my favorite picture of him with the Wicked Witch. Oh, he God. just sat and watched the t year after year after year. He and, was his um, father's son. He was his father's <laughs> son. He loved it. But um, I, I, you know, and I, I want to point this out. You teach this course, the Science of Getting Rich Study course. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about this course because we're going to give away. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we're going to, a lucky winner is going to win tonight. And I want to take this course. I want to work with you. Sure. That's great. For sure. Um, the Science of Getting Rich is a very short book that was written by Wallace Waddles. And it has the keys. I actually refer to it as the mini Course in Miracles. If you don't know the Course in Miracles, I've been a teacher and student for 39 years of A Course in Miracles. But it is a very big, dense book. This is how long I've had it. It's all, you know, mm -hmm. duct taped and everything. But the principles in the science of getting rich are the same principles, but they're, you go right to, right to it. And there is a science of getting rich. There is a science of getting rich. It's how you use your mind. What's going on with your mind? It's about lack. It's about what you believe you are. And it's just a really great book. And it's very, very short. But I created a course and I did it before. And this course is, it's, um, there's four weeks and there's homework and there's things that you do. And then you watch the class and you, you do this. And it's something that once you start to, to really get delve into it, because a lot of people are like, oh, it's just about making money. Make it. It's not about making money, really. It's about opening up the receiving and understanding the truth of really who you are. And it's just a beautiful thing. And so I just thought it would be great for, for somebody to, to take that course. It's not a live course right now. I'm gonna actually gonna redo it again, but um, but all the stuff is there. It's you know, it's videos and there's worksheets and all that stuff. And it's pretty it's very powerful. Actually, very powerful. That's great. So we're going to be giving that away, and all you need to do is put hashtag stability in, and uh, and we've got there all of your social media platforms. Uh, I have uh, will also be on YouTube, Thank so you. Uh, you are accessible. It's easy for people to get in touch with you. Yeah. A lot easier to get to you than it is to get to Oz. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you're already in Oz. <laughs> well, I live in Oz, so you know, <laughs> that's great. Uh, so um, as life has gone on for you, and uh, do you still go back and watch The Wizard of Oz, and does it still resonate the same way with you? Or I still find, uh, believe it or not, tomorrow The Wizard of Oz is being th uh, shown through Fathom uh, events and uh -huh. movie theaters across the country. Um, do you still learn yes. uh, new things each time you watch it? I watched it again about three months ago. And I, I'm i a big note taker too. So I'm always like, God, I didn't get that thing. And I didn't get that thing. There's it, the layers of the story. And you think to yourself, you know, the, the script writers in the 1930s that took those books and made it, they really thought about the lines because each line you could really be like that's what it's really about oh shit. oh my god that so i every time i watch it it's something new and i've actually i had a retreat a couple years ago with like 10 um people and it was great and for our like saturday movie night we all sat and watched it and they all got something different out of it and then i get something different each time for sure i love well, it it's funny and the best way to watch this film is when you kids were watching it for the first time mm. and i went I will tell you two experiences that I've had. Um, there used to be an organization. It was a pet organization, uh, Adopt-A-Pet uh, in New York. And Margaret Hamilton oh. uh, was one of the volunteers. And I was talking oh, okay. to her one afternoon. Uh, and uh, I told her, you know, what this film meant to me. And uh, they were going to be showing it at the Regency. Oh, which wow. was an old revival house. I don't know if you remember the region. Yes, I do. Did you ever go there? Well, I went there when I was on a high school trip when I came here in high school. And I so went there. Yes. For those who, you know, when I first came to New York in 1979, again, before VHS, there mm -hmm. were still three networks, before cable and everything. Yep. But I was talking to her and I told her that they were going to be, they were doing a double feature 
Are you ready for this? Of the Wizard of Oz and the Yellow Submarine. Oh my God. I really wanted to see the Wizard of Oz. And I asked her if she would go with me. And she said yes. What? So I saw the Wizard of Oz with Margaret Hamilton at the Regency Theater. What was what was her reaction? <laughs> she was so wonderful. People were coming up. And of course, once they realized that she was there, oh uh, she was very friendly. She was very approachable. Everybody loved her. She and seemed it was, like a great person. Uh, she was just so incredibly nice. And mm -hmm. she was like everybody's aunt. Yeah. Uh, and of course, she was very approachable. She was doing, this was shortly after the Maxwell Housewife commercials. No. So, I, I mean, the uh, uh, the no. Maxwell Coffee uh, oh. commercials. Mm -hmm. So she was very approachable at that time. So very, very friendly. Uh, and uh, it was just one of those incredible New York moments that I will never forget. Yeah. Um, and just, she was the only person from that film. And I met, um, you know, Meinhardt Raby, uh, who was uh, played the coroner in The Wizard oh. of Oz. And I've got a oh. photograph uh, with him somewhere. I think you can find it if you Google our names together. So let's give away um, your uh, course. Sure. Uh, we will pull this up. So all you need to do, and while we're doing this, I've got some, uh, some wind down questions. Okay. And uh, so just for the fun of it, um, when were you most and least selfish uh, in your profession in terms of giving and receiving? Oh, my gosh. Wow. When was I most and least selfish? Wow. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I would say I was the most. I have a different terminal um, meaning of selfish. I believe that selfish means self-care. So I I would say that I have been selfish with all of my career choices because I follow what I believe is true. I don't ever do anything that's like, oh, I don't want to do that. Um, let's see. So so that's where I'm the most selfish. I just be like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to I'm going to follow that thing, right? Um, and where is the least selfish? Oh boy, I would say. The only thing that I can think of right now is that in my teaching career, there has been um, a couple of people in my in my um, student group that I had to say, I can't do you. <laughs> I almost had to like almost fire them because of who they were and what they needed. And it was, it was actually selfish for me too, because I was like, I can't give you what you need. I'm not your teacher. So, but, but I think that in a way that was selfish. I don't know. Those are the things that come up. Do you think it's because they were not ready? Yes. Mm -hmm. But I learned a big lesson from that. And I, I really now, I teach people all the time, you know, mm -hmm. everybody all the time. But like working privately is a very different thing than just like doing YouTubes or whatever, you know, because they can get a lot, anyone can get a lot from what I'm teaching, that's for sure. But then, yeah, you're right. There's a level to which you have to be like, okay, we're in, you know what I mean? But a lot of people have a lot of resistance and the ego is very strong. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, and, and I just said, you know what, maybe I'm not your teacher. That's okay. So what are you currently working on? Tell us about that. What's next for you? Well, I'm actually, um, I'm just finishing. I have a, um, a program that I created about three years ago that's an invitation-only program. Because like what you said, the only certain people are ready to do the work of that, you know? So, so I usually, um, I'm just finishing up something that's called Money May. Every year we do something called Money May, and it's awesome. We've, we've attracted over like five years, over almost $2 million wow. for all the students. And then they change their whole attitude towards money. They start to attract more money. They track money. They, their relationship with money starts to change. It's been such an incredible experience. And we're just finishing this year's Money May. We have one more week. And, and these people, like every, every week, it's like, oh, my God. $80,000, $90,000, and people are like, how are we doing this? I'm like, because you're 
changing your mind. Something's shifting inside of you. And so that's kind of wrapping up. And then this summer, I want to do this bigger program that I do with very few private clients again. And so that's coming up. And I'm going to California where my dad is. And I'm going to Ireland in, in October. So. Oh, good for you. That's all great. Yeah. Um, what are you most proud of from the previous week? Following my intuition about your show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. That mm -hmm. means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, what initially interested you in pursuing the path that you're currently on? I feel very deeply and strongly that we're all connected, that there's only really one of us here. And I had it, like I said, when I saw Hamlet the first time, I felt like this pull that we could all be working together. We could all be somehow um, lifted up by each other somehow. And I think that that little thing has blossomed into, it was acting and then it was this and everything, it's blossomed. So it's something about bringing the so-called separateness back into oneness. Beautiful. That's wonderful. Um, those who watch the show know that I have this these calendars that uh, friends send me. And I have this wonderful calendar uh, with these daily lessons. And uh, and I pulled a couple of pages from this that I'm going to uh, read here. Well, and well. one of the pages is a good mood uh, can be a fake, uh, can be a fake it till you make it proposition. Uh, so uh, today's self-love action. What can I do today to improve and enjoy my mood more? Maybe be more playful, concentrate on a recent win, smile for no reason, or engage in one of my favorite activities. Has there been a situation, maybe in the past week, uh, in which you faked it until you actually made it yeah. a reality? Mm -hmm. um, I the immediately immediate thing that comes up is that um, right now I'm um, kind of just like experiencing, having the experience of a back issue. And it's kind of happened for a, a little while. And this whole thing about the back issue has made me really, really the mind over the matter thing. It's like, you know, sometimes walking a block and I used, used to walk 20,000 steps a day. And sometimes walking a block right now is really difficult. And um, so there's a little bit of fake it till you make it like, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to go to see Moulin Rouge, which is on my block, literally mm -hmm. on my block. I'm going to go do those things. And I don't care if I'm in pain. It doesn't matter. I don't care. <laughs> and you know what? I'm, I'm not going to stop my life because there's this thing happening. And I'm getting it taken care of and doing all that what I need to do. But I'm like, no. I'm going to fake it till I make it. I'm going to, I mean, it's still a challenge no matter what, you know, there's still this body here going on, but you know what? It's not going to stop me from doing what I need to do. Good for you. Good for you. Where did you have the weakest self-confidence in the work that you're doing and what got you through it? Hmm. As far as being a spiritual director or teacher, I always had the feeling like, I um, I didn't really come from that world so much. And so I always felt like I had to be somebody different. And it never worked. And as soon as I was just like, I'm just going to be as real as I can be. I'm going to share my experience. I'm just going to do my thing. It all changed. That's when the students started to come. That's when it all. And I was like, uh-huh, authenticity. I didn't try to be anybody else. Thank you. Everybody pay attention. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Another lesson from the uh, calendar. That's a great calendar. I love it. It's, I love this calendar. The most important investments I make are investments in myself. So today's self-love action. Today I'll ponder more ways to invest in myself, like making a financial investment in my future with a savings account or making a spiritual investment in myself by taking a workshop or making an investment in my health by finding support or something that I'm struggling with physically or emotional. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds to me, based on the work that you do, 
that you're constantly making an investment in yourself. So prior to coming on and doing today's show, name an example of when you made an investment in yourself earlier today. I'm going to say the thing that pops up for me first. So the investment myself is, which is very interesting, is that um, I just finished doing um, a 10-week film and TV acting course. Wow. Because I have to be what I'm teaching my students to be, and I love acting, and I really want to perfect. I don't know if I want to really be an actor for that, but I want the craft of it. I want to do it. So it's like that's where I was, I'm like, I'm going to do that because that's important to me, right? So, so that's the answer that came to me. And I had a great wow. time and I loved it. I loved it. Loved it. Good for you. And so you I've been, yeah, I've only been the mostly stage, 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 but I really like that film and TV, the small little thing. I really like that. That is really fun. So, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, again, from the calendar. Supporting others in a balanced way is how I keep from becoming drained and allow myself to enjoy the process of giving. Today's self-love action. Let me check in with my reserves of love. Is the symbolic cup in my heart, which represents my reserves as far as giving to others, full or nearly empty? I'll adjust my actions with others accordingly. Um, I would believe that your cup is always full. That's the paradox here, right? So it's like that it has to be empty so it's full. Do you understand? Yes. And that's that's that riding that line right in the middle. So mm -hmm. it, there's a fullness, but there's also a complete emptiness of the bowl at the same time. Most people get into trouble when they keep trying to have more and more and more or nothing, nothing, nothing. It's uh, it's there's a way in the middle, right? The Buddhists would call that the middle way. Absolutely. Yes. Sometimes the littlest things offer me a fresh perspective. Discovering a cool new version of a favorite song reminds me to look at life from a different angle. We're going to make this about Oz. Today's self-love action. Today I'll find new versions of a song I love and see if this inspires me to look at other things in my life from a different angle or with a fresh perspective. Over the rainbow. Listening to the song now, as opposed to listening to it two years ago, how does it resonate with you now? Well, it's very interesting because uh, when I said I watched it a few months ago and I had an experience listening to it that I never had before. It was very heartbreaking. It, it broke my heart. Mm -hmm. It was, a, it, I, I sensed the pathos and the, the desperation in it and the sadness of trying to be somewhere where you're not. Mm -hmm. And before I thought it was just beautiful about it can be the, but I was like, I, I definitely had this. Oh boy. That's is a sad song. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. It makes sense. It's mm -hmm. all about longing. Long. So, yes. Mm -hmm. Feeling my anger and then finding a way to peacefully advocate for change has powerful results in the world. Today, I'll let myself get angry or emotionally moved by something upsetting in the world. We've been through a lot in the past uh, two weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, then I'll consider how I might peacefully advocate for change with my voting choices, my lifestyle choices, a letter or email to a public official, my time or my financial resources. Um, without getting political, uh, how are you making the choices that are resonating with the changes that you want to advocate in the world right now? And that will be my final question for you today. Well, I'll say this. A lot of times people feel like being spiritual means that you don't get involved in the world. And I don't believe that to be true. But it's how you get involved. If you're doing it from a defensive, trying to change everything, that's not good. But if you can somehow be um, a glimmer of hope for, for kids or whatever it happens to be. I mean, I'm, you know, obviously, you know, I, I feel very strongly about um, young LGBTQ plus people. And one thing that, I mean, I've got other things. I'm pretty political, which I love, actually. 
but you know, really, really putting out as much information about trans community and about these kids that are going through these challenges, you know, and you know, Heartstoppers, the show Heartstoppers. Have you watched it yet? I haven't. Oh my, Richard, you have to watch it, especially our generation to watch that. Every and Heartstoppers, and where Heartstoppers can I find it? On Netflix. I'll watch it tonight. It's literally one of the number one shows in the world. And I'm telling everyone, watch that show, watch that show, because it's it's all about inclusion. It's about love. It's about, you know, it's it's so that in a way to share those things is a really great way to do it. I also do some other political stuff, but yeah. That's great. Yeah. So let's give away a course. Yay. So uh, we're going to do that right now. And I'm going to go here and let's see who our lucky winner is tonight. You're all winners, by the way. All and just winners. remember, you don't have to have your name pull up. Voice NYC one. <laughs> Do you know who this is? That's my friend Linda. Linda, Linda, and, Linda. And Linda. she's she is the one that connected me with you. She is? She is a friend of Mary Beth's. Okay. So Linda, uh, so you know how to get in touch with each other. Yes, for sure. So uh, and I want to take the course as well. So yes, I will definitely. I'm going to get in touch with you on this. So Linda, thank you for, Linda, I hope that you'll get in touch with me because I yes. want to thank you for mm -hmm. making this happen tonight. I'm going to remove this and uh, don't go anywhere for a moment, Max. Yeah. I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. And I want to talk uh, again about stability. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the show tonight, when I think about the Wizard of Oz, I think about those moments of stability where once a year, I knew that the Wizard of Oz was going to be there and it was going to be the family coming together and being there. And there was a time where it wasn't just the Wizard of Oz. It was those holidays where the family would be there and everything. The world, we are on such a precipice right now with so many things that are going on. The lessons that I've learned over the past two and a half years is stability is something that we need to hold on to as much as we can because we were taught that it's not there. Uh, buying a ticket to go to a Broadway show, you can show up at the theater now to find out that the show's not going on that night. There was a time where the show must go on that doesn't exist anymore. There are so many things that we take for granted. We take for granted that all of our friends are gonna be there tomorrow. And we are learning that in a moment, without getting political, that things can be wiped out right. on so many levels, whether it be COVID or violence or so many things that we take for granted. Right. And we can't take these things for granted anymore. Uh, I wanna thank you all for being here tonight. If this was your first time, and I know a lot of you were here because of Max, I hope it will not be your last time here. Uh, if it is your first time, please consider subscribing to this channel because my shows are about celebrating. It's about celebrating artists. Max, you are a great artist. And celebrating artists and their body of worth. So after the show tonight, even if you've left a comment during the show, please go to uh, about half an hour later or tomorrow you can do this. Uh, and this will be add a little stability to my life. Go to YouTube and leave a comment about tonight's show. As a matter of fact, wait till tomorrow to do that so that you've got a little time to think about what the show meant to you tonight. Leave a comment tomorrow. Let us know what you think of the show and then share it uh, through, face, uh, through YouTube with your friends and let them know about the show. I also end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Uh, go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the seventh name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. Last Saturday, I had the pleasure of interviewing Joanna Gleason, which is available on demand. She's my favorite. And one of mine, too, uh, Into the Woods, another fantasy show, same mm -hmm. messages. And one of the things that she said 
is that she ends her show. She said, and again, uh, Danielle, who I love dearly, is watching Synchronicity. She said that she says at the end of her shows, on Sunday night, uh, reach out with a phone call. Because Sunday night is that night of the week where the week is ending and people are sitting on that moment of the new week beginning and people are down. They don't know what is ahead. They just had a maybe a good or a bad week. Reach out with a phone call and let those people in your lives know what they mean. And it's easy if you go to the seventh name on your list and say, okay, this is the person I'm going to call tonight. And I'm going to tell this person what they mean to me. So if you do that, it'll make it a lot easier for you, number seven. And by doing... Uh, yes, and it's a seven day. Uh, so you can do that. And uh, and as my dear friend, Sean Monagar always says, uh, you never know what someone else is going through right now. We're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And I always say, if you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. So now <laughs> let's show our t-shirts. Yes, and I'll talk about it. Okay. Oh my God, I love it. What's yours? Kick butt. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And mine is <laughs> look down, Dorothy. Yes. And so anyway, you. I'm going to leave the screen and I'm going to give you the final word, Max. Anything you want to say about anything that we talked about tonight that you want to build upon? Anything that we didn't talk about that you want to uh, talk about? Or just any final message that you want to leave? And remember, everybody... There's no place like home, and I hope that you will consider this your home. Thank you, and I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow, but on Monday. I'll see you then. Have a great weekend. Thank and Max, it's all yours. Thank, thank you. you. First of all, thank you, Richard, so much. I just adore you, and you have such a way with people. And if you haven't watched some of his other interviews, awesome. But um, I want to leave you with this this message of Dorothy, look down, Dorothy, because the Wizard of Oz is all about this idea that you don't need to go through all the craziness. You don't need to. You can just stop and realize that your keys to your freedom, to your love and your connection with all that is, is right here, right now. And remember that. Because it will change your life if you really do start to implement that into your life. So remember, look down, Dorothy. Thanks, everybody. Love you so much. Bye-bye.